0: All right, so last week we did get to wrap up 21 days of fasting and prayer together with a a pretty incredible breakfast. And um, apart from getting the flu, it was amazing. Um, But I I really did love last week's celebration. We were able to celebrate with baptism, Uh, we were able to see a, a brother restored to the body, and just all kinds of incredible things that. God's been doing as we've been praying. Let's not mistake that those two things are linked, right? As we pray and cry out to our God, he does incredible things. We celebrate in that. I want to make a statement. I want you to resonate with this. The Lord is faithful. Amen? Amen. The Lord is faithful. Um, Last week, my friend Ryan brought a message to us about how kingdom people partner for the gospel. And um, he introduced this idea of kingdom people to us. This is where we're going for quite a bit. And um, we're going to talk more about what it means to be kingdom people. So when I, when I talk about that, when I say the word kingdom people, here's what I mean. First of all, I mean that we have a king. We have a king. His name is Jesus. He is the king. Secondly, what I mean is that we build our lives According to his will and under his reign. That's what it means. We build our lives, we lead this church according to his will and under his reign. He's the king. And then, thirdly, as a church, we're not trying to just build, like I said earlier, we're not trying to just build and grow our own little kingdom. We're trying to be a part of what he's doing around the world. And, and Jesus is making his name great, not just here in Aniston, but all over the world. And we're wanting to be a part of that um, through making disciples of all nations and multiplying churches all over the world. This is what I mean when I'm talking about being kingdom um, people. So this morning we're starting a four-part series. And um, I'm pumped about it. This series is called I'm In. Somebody say, I'm in. Alright, so that's what this series is about. It's kind of a play on words. So each week, the idea is, um, are you in? Are, are you in on this idea of being a kingdom first kind of person? You know, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6.33, He said, seek first the what? The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. So w- what we're trying to do is just obey Jesus in seeking first the kingdom. So the question is, are you in? And the statement is, I'm in. Say, I'm in. Alright, so it's a little bit of a play on words because each week we're going to take that idea, I'm in, and we're going to add a little bit to it. So I'm, today we're saying, um, I'm invited. I'm invited. Um, so let me just tell you where we're headed. This first week we're talking about I'm invited. And what, we're, what we mean here is that you're invited into the kingdom. Like you have, you have a place at God's table and you're invited into His family. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm invaluable. I'm invaluable. What we mean there is that you have a significant and unique role to play in the kingdom. Um, Paul would say it this way, that um, we are the body of Christ. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some are eyes, ears, but each of us are uniquely shaped and formed to do something. And when we're all serving and working according to how God's gifted us, the body of Christ is effective. So what we're saying there is you are invaluable. I'm invaluable. Thirdly, I'm influential. That's where we're going in the third week. I we want, want to talk to you and challenge you about how, how you are influential. You, you have um, an influence. God has given you influence with people around you, your coworkers, your peers, your classmates, God's given you influence. He wants you to use it for the kingdom. And then lastly, I'm invested. Uh, Jesus talks about how our hearts follow what we treasure. He talks about how um, we cannot serve two masters. He wants us to be holy and fully devoted and invested in him and his kingdom. And so what, what we're talking about there in week four is leveraging all of our resources all that we have, all that we are, leveraging for the sake of the kingdom. So that's where we're going. And today we're talking about I'm invited. I'm invited. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt left out or unwanted or uninvited. I recently got an invitation to a good buddy's wedding that's coming up. And I'm not just invited to the wedding. I'm actually invited to like be in the wedding. I'm, I may be the oldest... Am I going to be the oldest groomsman in this wedding? Doggone it. I knew it. I thought I had aged out of the like buying tuxes and going to weddings and stuff. But um, I guess that's what happens when you keep young friends around. Um, so uh, I, I got this really cool invitation to be a groomsman in a wedding. And I'm pretty pumped about it. And so I, I received the invite and I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm in. So that's what we're saying. You receive an invitation. And your response is, I'm in. Right. So you are invited to be a part of what King Jesus is doing. How have you responded to him? What's your response to his invitation? I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 14. And we're going to pick up um, an unusual text, um, a very actually very challenging text. Luke chapter fourteen. We're going to walk through a good bit of it together. So as you find your place in God's word, would you stand with me as we read together from Luke fourteen? This was the last time I make you stand for a while, okay? But we stand in honor of God's word, um, of all that we've done today—the singing um, and now even the preaching. This right here is the most important thing we'll do. And that is to read the words of our God. So what He has to say is more important than anything else. Alright, so Luke 14. Just pick up in verse 1 and we'll read a good bit of this. The Scripture says, One Sabbath, when He went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching Him carefully. They're watching Jesus. And behold... There was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day would not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now, Jesus told a parable to all those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. And he said to them, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person and then you'll be filled with shame to take the lower place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it so please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the, Of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Well, then go out to the highways and the hedges and compel the people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Father, would you teach us today what it means to be invited to your banquet, what's at stake when we make excuses, and how we can be a part of what you're doing in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want to quickly walk through this text and get to the the main emphasis here. First thing we need to know is that Jesus has been invited to a party and it's a Pharisee. It's a, it's a, a ruler of the law, a leader of the, of the law who's invited him to this party. But it's a setup. Do you know that? Like Jesus is invited to lots of parties in the New Testament. and Sometimes he's like the person of honor and other times they've just got him there to see if they can lure him into their trap. And that's the case here. Because it's the Sabbath day and it's a day on which they're not supposed to do any work. Jesus is invited to a party and they've, they've also brought a man with dropsy. Now dropsy is a, a, an illness where the, the kidneys are not working properly and, and it causes your body to hold water. and It's a it's pretty bad sickness. And so they put that guy right in front of Jesus. This is intentional. They're trying to trap him to see, is he going to heal? Is he going to do a work on the Sabbath day? Well, Jesus steps into the trap. He doesn't mind it. He takes the bait. He asked them a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? I want you to get what he's asking. He's saying, is it against God's law to do what only God can do on a day of rest? They can't answer his question. And then Jesus he's compassionate, he's kind, he's loving, he takes the man with drops, he brings him near, heals him, and then sends him away. Sends him away because this situation's not safe for him. They they didn't welcome him in because they wanted him, they welcomed him in because he was the bait. And now that he's healed, he he makes more of Jesus than they wanted to, so Jesus sends him out because it's not safe for him. But then Jesus directly addresses these guys who set him up, and he says, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. So here's the point. The first point on your um, outline that we're talking through is, is this. The kingdom, you know, we're talking about I'm in on the kingdom. I'm in with what God's doing in the kingdom. And here's the first point. The kingdom is where the law is love. You see these These legalists, what they're wanting to do is to set Jesus up where he... Are you either going to be according to the law or are you going to do your loving thing? Are you going to love this guy or are you going to obey the law? And Jesus says, here's the thing. To love is to obey the law. The kingdom, the the law of the kingdom is love. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus was quizzed um, by some Pharisees... They said, what's the greatest of all the commandments? Of all the commandments we have, what's the greatest? And how did Jesus respond? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. What Jesus says is all the law and the prophets is wrapped up in this. Love. And so here he proves that it's not a breach of God's law to love. In fact, it's a fulfillment of God's law to love. Jesus addresses the self righteous. They think they're going to get somewhere by uh, obeying the law even when they're unloving. And what we see is that the kingdom is where the law is love. The second part of this passage is, is this. I want you to look now that Jesus, they've picked a fight with him. So now he's willing to fight with just about everybody. All right, so he's at a party. He's, he's kind of been on trial, they've tested him, and now he's like, he's guns blazes, right? So look at verse seven. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. All right, so he looks around at, at all the guests who were invited and when he sees how they chose where to sit, he's like, let me tell you guys something. And he starts teaching all the people who were there because they walked in. It'd be like if I went to, if I went to a wedding, And at the reception for the wedding, you know, they've got this one table that's kind of up on a stand and it's up up by itself. And that's where the groom and and, uh, bride and the wedding party sit. And and maybe I'm just a, a, I just walked in and I'm like, hey, yeah, oh, that table up there is where I'm going to sit. That's not my place, right? And if I go sit there, I'm going to be asked to move and sit down somewhere back in the back because I'm not the honored guest. That's exactly what Jesus is dealing with. And he tells them, um, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the place of honor. He summarizes in, in verse 11 with a really practical teaching. He says this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the kingdom is a feast for the humble. The kingdom is a feast for the humble. Jesus is addressing the self-exalting in this text. He's saying if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself, let the Lord do the exalting. Let God do... There's a really practical aspect to this. Here's the practical thing. It's going to be embarrassing at this party if you sit in a high place and they ask you to move down. That's embarrassing. Really practical. But then there's some eternal realities here too. He's saying choose humility and let God exalt you. In the book of James, um, James says it this way. The Lord opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Lord opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, there's two kinds of people who come to a party. There's, there's the, the one guy who comes to the party and he goes, here I am. Right? There's that guy. And then there's the guy who comes to the party that goes, there he is. What Jesus is saying is when you come to the kingdom party, your role is not to come and be the here I am guy, but to be pointing your attentions and affections to the king. Humble yourself and let the Lord do the exalting. The kingdom is a feast for the humble. The next section um, is 12 through 24 verses, and, and this is where we'll spend most of our time, but... Um, The third point I want to make is that the kingdom is a feast for the needy, for the needy. This is a shocking part of Jesus's teaching. I I told you, you know, he dealt with the self-righteous. Then he deals with the self-exalting. And now he's he's actually going to deal with the self-satisfying. But look at who he talks to. So verse 12, then Jesus said to the man who had invited him. So he looks to the one who invited him. And he says, let me tell you something. When you throw a party, don't invite your rich friends and your rich neighbors and and all your schmoozing buddies who are just going to turn around and invite you to their party. Because then you're just doing, doing that just to get repaid. He says, don't do that. Instead, invite the lame, the poor, the crippled, and the blind. Now, the people listening to this might have thought Jesus is like telling a joke or something. Um, They might have thought it was, you know, a joke like, hey, I went to a party and at this party there was a lame man, a blind man, a poor man, a crippled man. They might have thought there was a punchline coming, but there wasn't. What Jesus is saying is you, you need to extend grace to those who have nothing to give back to you. There's nothing that can bless you back. You're not, you're not, you're not sowing in so that you get back. You're just giving to needy to give. That's what grace is. It's giving without expectation of receiving. So Jesus says the kingdom is a feast for the needy. And He wraps that statement up. He says you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just in verse 14. Now, here's the deal. When he makes that statement, this is this whole conversation at this party is very awkward. Are y'all following what I'm, what I'm saying? Jesus has confronted everybody. I mean, they put him on the spot from the get-go and he's just kind of come gun blazes with everybody. And it's very awkward. And I, I'm imagining that there's this one guy sitting at the table who's like, he just can't take the awkward anymore. And so he just kind of takes his glass and makes a toast. And he's like... Look at verse uh, verse 15. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Right. It's a toast. He's like, enough with the awkward. Let's just celebrate. And then Jesus goes, yeah, let me tell you something. <laughs> and, he, and he goes right after him. And, and this guy, the awkward toast guy. Right. Um, he gets a lesson. So this is where everything pivots. And what we see is that all these little teaching points Jesus has been making, that the kingdom is where the law is love. The kingdom is a feast for the humble. The kingdom is a feast for the needy. Now all these teachings are going to be personalized. It's not just about when you throw a party. Now it's going to be about Jesus' ultimate kingdom banquet feast. And he tells a story, a parable. Now, a parable is a teaching, it's a story, an earthly story, that's used to tell a bigger, broader teaching principle. And this is a big principle Jesus is teaching, because what He's telling us is that there is a wedding feast, there is a banquet, and it's all about Him. You see, He's the groom, and He is getting married, and He's inviting people to come to this banquet celebration, And he sent out the uh, the save the date, right? And people have been like, "Yeah, man, I'm I'm in, I'm, I'm with you, I'm there, I'll be there." And then when the moment came, they all began to make excuses. And Jesus wants us to hear the heart of our God when the heart of His people is making excuses. There's a great banquet. And this is a parable that is a good news, bad news kind of parable. It's a good news, bad news parable. I want you to look back in your Bible with me because this is where we're going to spend our time. I just want to read this section one more time. Jesus said to him, verse 16, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, For everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Let me start by telling you the good news. The good news of this parable is this. You're invited. Y'all didn't hear that as good news. Here's the good news. You are invited. This is the good news. You're invited to our king's banquet. It's going to be massive. I mean, amazing. It's, it's the most amazing thing. You can, you can read about it. Revelation 19, it talks about the banquet, feast of the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's going to be unbelievable. And you know what? You're invited. You're invited. Hear me. Jesus welcomes the unwanted. Jesus welcomes the unwanted. This is where all those things tie together, where the law is love, the feast is for the humble, the feast is for the needy. Jesus welcomes the unwanted. The Gospel of Luke, this is one of the major themes of the Gospel of Luke, is that Jesus has come Luke 19.10 says to seek and to save the lost. He's come to seek and save the lost. He tells us he's a physician. He He didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick, right? And so here's what we're learning is that Jesus welcomes the unwanted. His repeated teaching about this banquet is when you invite people to your banquet, don't invite those who can repay you. Instead, invite the lame, the poor, the blind, the crippled. Guess who that is? That's us. Luke chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. I just want you to know that this is a pattern for King Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, he calls his disciples. These are fishermen. He calls them out of a boat to follow him. And the very next thing they do, the very next thing they do. Is Jesus welcomes a leper, the unwanted, the unclean, the untouchable, and Jesus touches him. You think that was a teaching moment for his disciples? It was. You know what the teaching was? I want the unwanted. Later in Luke 5, his disciples are following him around and they're like, Jesus, who else are you going to recruit to this team? This is, this is pretty cool. And Jesus is like, I want Levi, the tax collector. I imagine the disciples are like, wait a minute, are you serious? This lying, stealing, thieving cheat? You want him? Levi's actually at the tax collector booth. And Jesus is like, I want you to come and follow me. Jesus welcomes the lying, stealing, cheating thief. He welcomes the unwanted. Luke 7, we have... Um, Jesus invited to another party. A, a man named Simon is a, is a lawyer. He's a, he's a Pharisee. And uh, he's, he's invited Christ to this party. And they, they're talking all high and mighty. And then a woman, a sinner, probably a prostitute, comes in, falls at Jesus' feet. She washes his feet with her tears and anoints him with oil. And Simon is shocked. And Jesus actually loves the worship of this woman, a sinner, and rebukes the lawyer, Simon. Jesus welcomes the humble and the needy and resists the proud. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus welcomes um, a naked, demon-possessed man who runs around in a graveyard. The people couldn't stand this guy. They kept locking him up in chains, but he kept breaking the chains and he just, he was on the loose. Crazy dude, right? This is a friend of Jesus. A friend of Jesus. It's in in Luke 7 that they accused him of being a friend of sinners, a glutton and a drunkard. This is our Jesus. He welcomes the unwanted. And in this case, in Luke 8, I love it. The guy that they've banished to the graveyard, Jesus goes and rescues and redeems him. They come back and find him in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus welcomes the unwanted. Later in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is going through a crowd. He's on his way to heal somebody. And there's a woman who has a bleeding issue. It's been bleeding for years. She can't get it to stop, spend all her money on it. She hears Jesus is coming through. She's like, you know what? If I can just touch him, he'll heal me. She gets through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus heals her. And this woman who's been an outcast, the only word she's been allowed to say in public is unclean. That's the only thing she could say. Jesus turns to her and says, daughter, tell your story. She's given the platform to talk about the power of Christ. Jesus welcomes the unwanted. This is just a sampling of his scandalous grace. But that's what it is. You see, when I say you're invited, you need to know something. You're invited not because of what you have to give, he doesn't invite you so that you'll repay him. He knows you've got nothing. You've got nothing but praises. That's all you have. He didn't invite you because you're so good and so worthy. He invited you because you need him. Not because he needs you, but because you need him and he loves you. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. The good news is that you are invited. The bad news is this. This gospel invitation is difficult to accept. This invitation is difficult to accept. We see that in two ways. The first way is among those who are healthy, wealthy, and self-righteous. They have a really hard time accepting Jesus' invitation. The invitation to the banquet, they have a hard time accepting it. You could read in the scriptures and you see that They all alike began to make excuses. You know, we could pick this apart, but um, I don't think we need to. What we see here is these who are making excuses have um, another priority. Something's more important. Something matters more. That's In essence, that's what it is. You know, for one, he bought some land and he, you know, wanted to go check out his land, which strange because it was probably nighttime for a banquet. Um, and probably he wouldn't have bought it without having checked it out first. So this is a pretty lame excuse. The second story is uh, a guy says he's bought five yoke of oxen. Well, just so you know, that's very, very expensive. It's about five years wages. And he says, I, I need to go, you know, Check these out. Make sure, you know, test them. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't buy five years' wages worth of stuff without having, you know, test driven it first, right? So this is obviously another lame excuse, but it comes from a very wealthy man. Um, he's not needy, he's not humble. And then the third excuse um, well, I don't know what to say about it. Jesus, I can't come. I got a wife. I don't, know, I don't know what to say about that. It just sounds like trouble to me, guys. I don't know. Um, lame excuse after lame excuse after lame excuse. So when I say it's a good news, bad news parable, here's the bad news. I, I want us to acknowledge how God responds to our lame excuses. Is God understanding is he sympathetic? Is he um, compassionate toward our lame excuses toward his invitation? How? What? What emotion rises up in this master when Jesus tells the story? I want us to look at verse twenty-one. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became what? Angry. He's angry. He's angry because he's extended the most gracious and wonderful invitation to the best party the world has ever known. And these guys want to go look at some land or some animals or... This gospel invitation is difficult to accept because you must know you're lost to be saved. These who reject the invitation, who, who make an excuse, they've, they've not gathered, they're, they've not got a grip on their lostness. They're not desperate for a Savior. You must come to Jesus alone. Nothing else is going to satisfy You know, not even a new wife is going to satisfy that missing piece that's there. Not, of course, not some oxen and definitely not another piece of property. Nothing like that is going to satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. You must leave the lame excuses behind. That's what it means to be saved. And that's why it's hard for... The healthy, the wealthy, and self righteous, they think they've got their act together. They don't really need Jesus. He just seems like a pretty good option. And I want to say something here, and I don't want to park on this long, but I feel like this is a, a, this is a disease among young millennials, especially. We like to keep our options open. We're non committal, young. Let me, let me just say um, 18 to 35. That age bracket is very non committal. Let me give you an example. I rarely ever have dinner with somebody, or lunch, or coffee even with somebody at that age where this thing doesn't join us on the table. Why is that? Because they can't even commit to a face to face conversation without leaving the option open for interruption. When I say they, I mean me too. We want to leave our options open. Lord, Lord, I'd like to come to your party, but in case something else happens, I might be doing that instead. And a younger generation really battles with this options open idea. And I want to call that what it is. It's idolatry. Anything, Lord, that makes me feel a little more important, I'm going to leave that option on the table. And what God is saying is, And there's nothing more important than coming to my banquet. You've been invited by the King. Stop coming to my party saying, here I am, and come and say, there He is. It's a difficult invitation to accept even for the healthy, wealthy, and self-righteous. But even for the lowly, it's difficult to accept. And this is in one word I want you to see. Verse 23, the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel the people to come in. That word is a forceful invitation. Um, and the master says, I want you to go compel the lowly to come in. And here's the reason. The lowly would understand the weight of this. They're being invited to the king's banquet. They know they're not dressed appropriately. They know they're not prepared. They haven't showered. They're not clean. They're homeless. They have nothing to offer. They can't bring a bottle of wine with them to come to this party. They've got no party gift or anything like that. And so they're reluctant to come. And the invitation is this come just as you are. Come. Just as you are. Grace is truly a foreign concept for us. We don't get it. <clears throat> if I told you I wanted to take you and your, and your spouse out to dinner to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and I'm going to buy, we're, we're going to cover whatever you want on the menu. You buy it all if you want to. I've got it. And you came and brought your Happy Meal with you. Does that make any sense? It's ridiculous, but that's the way we think when it comes to the gracious invitation of our God. We think He's invited us to this incredible banquet. Well, what can I bring? What can I bring? Bring my happy meal. Like we have anything to offer. Here's the reality Jesus is saying. You don't have anything to offer. I'm giving it all. Just come. To me. So here is Jesus's invitation. These words come from Matthew eleven twenty eight, and this is what he says to us: Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what Amen. rest. When Jesus is recruiting his team, he doesn't recruit the best and strongest and all of that, who've got it all together, he says, I want the ones who are weary and broken and lame and crippled and poor and blind. That's who, that's who I want. You've got nothing to give because I've got it all to give. Come to me, Jesus says. When he says come to me, here's what he means this is the gospel invitation. Jesus says, Come to me to be forgiven. This is a marriage supper of the Lamb of God who was slain. His blood was shed so that you could be forgiven of your sin. Jesus says, come to me so you can be free. In the book of John, it says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. There's nothing that holds you in bondage anymore. Maybe you feel like you're in chains, like that man in the the graveyard. If you're in chains to some addiction or some this or some that, Jesus has the power to set you free. And He says, come to me. You have nothing to offer. I've got it all to give. Jesus says, come to me to be in my family. And this is the point I want to make. This is where we finish. In John chapter 1, here's what we see. John tells us that Jesus came and His own rejected Him. This is the parable. When Jesus came, His own rejected Him. And then it says this, but to those who received Him, He gave them the right to be what? Children of God. That's right. Children of God. Not just welcome to the dinner party, Welcome to the family. This is big. It's big. So Jesus is inviting you today. And His invitation to you is this. Come, come to me and be forgiven and be set free and be in my family. Come to me. Will you accept His invitation?